Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Great to see you here this morning. It's Resurrection Sunday. What a great day this is for us. Uh, if I've not met you before, my name is Jacinda. I'm one of the pastors here at Coast Vineyard. It's just wonderful to be able to share this Easter Sunday with you wherever it is that you are, whether you're somewhere on the coast, one of our locals, or whether you're further afield. What a joy to have you here with us. So I'm speaking to you from my office. And, uh, and I'm hoping to be able to meet with you in whichever part of your home that you're uh, viewing this. And today is a day where we get to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. In a more traditional setting, if we were together, we would be able to greet each other this morning. And I might say to you, he is risen. And you would reply, he is risen indeed. I can almost hear that from your place. And it is this declaration of joy, it is this declaration of hope and of life that changed everything. This uh, whole season of Easter is a time for us to be able to reorient ourselves, to be able to remember who it is that we follow and what he's inviting us into. And it's a time for us to reflect on just how radical this invitation is to be able to live our lives with God which is possible to us, uh, possible for us because of what Jesus did at Easter all those years ago. And I don't know about for you, but for me, this Easter has been especially poignant. It's, it's always a precious time, but it, it just seems like this year we're, you know, we're in our third week of lockdown uh, here in New Zealand and uh, we are possibly able to relate to the journey of Easter in ways that are more real, more relevant and more poignant to us this year than possibly other years. Because we find ourselves in a season where many of us are experiencing loss, uncertainty, uh, a season of waiting, of longing, longing for freedom, um, to be able to return to normal. And as we revisit these events of Easter, we can identify with the people that lived out that situation all those years ago, can't we? Like as, as we reflect on Good Friday, we, we can participate with the disciples who, who were grieving their loss. You know, this, this person, Jesus, that they loved, their friend, their leader, this one that they had pinned all their hopes on for their future, died. And they thought that that was the end of it all. And there was real grief, there was real heartache. And, and for many of us in this season, that, that's something that we can relate to, especially at the moment. Then on the Saturday, we enter this funny in-between place, this place of limbo, of uncertainty, of waiting, with unanswered questions. The disciples didn't know what was coming. They just thought they'd lost someone they loved, and they were full of questions about why did this happen? What does this mean? Um, and, and we may be able to relate to that as we sit in this season of waiting and of longing for what may come, even though we don't know what that is. We can relate to that really strongly right now, can't we? And today, 
Resurrection Sunday. We have the benefit of hindsight. We know that Jesus rose. His disciples didn't know what was coming, but that moment when they realized that he has come to life, that changed everything. He is risen. There was this cry of surprise and of joy and of hope for whatever may come. The fact that he was alive was all that mattered. Jesus is coming. His life, his death and his resurrection invites us into a new way of life, a with God life. In fact, one of Jesus' names was Emmanuel. We read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, it talks about his name and explains it, meaning God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. There's this wonderful quote from the Book of Common Prayer, a liturgy for ordinary radicals, and it says this, The resurrection of Jesus was simply God's unwillingness to take our no for an answer. He raised Jesus, not just as an invitation for us to come to heaven when we die, but as a declaration that he himself has now established permanent, eternal residence here on earth. He is standing beside us, strengthening us in this life. Isn't that just great news? There's this thread all the way through the New Testament about life, this pervading theme you know, new life, life with God, life to the full. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, or in some other translations, life to the full. Now, we can often mistakenly think that he's talking about our physical lives, the things that we can see and touch, that we would have the fullness of that. And it often overflows into that. But what he was referring to was our spiritual life. He came to bring us alive spiritually, and that is available to all of us. Okay, the word that Jesus used for life was called Zoe, and it referred to our spiritual lives, our eternal lives. Jesus came that we would come alive spiritually, and then we would live this full, abundant, dynamic life with God for the rest of our days. It would be this life that is real, robust, and resilient. In Richard Foster's book uh, that he wrote called Life with God, he says this, We are being saved by his life, declared the apostles, and Jesus' resurrection convinced them of this life. This Zoe was indestructible. The glorious words, he is risen, proved to the disciples that the new life that had been ever present to them in the person and teaching of Jesus could not be destroyed by killing the body. That life, that Zoe, continues on. It cannot be destroyed. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it, we're told in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And it is this unquenchable, indestructible Zoe that Jesus offers to all who trust in him. Life, here and now and on into eternity. Man, that's good news. That's why we celebrate Easter Sunday. Now, it's important for us to remember that this life with God doesn't just give us a free pass on all that the world has brings our way. Jesus even warned us earlier in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, because in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
we can see throughout scripture, we can see throughout history that God's people experience everything that all of us experience as humans here. We experience the highs and the lows of life. We experience times of hope and of heartache. We experience life and death, sickness and health. There are going to be times when we are prosperous and there are going to be times when things are lean. And we experience all of those things. We live them out with God. That is the invitation to us today as it has been to his followers throughout all time. It's just the same for us today. There are times when we see what we hope for, what we pray for come about. That, that they our, our prayers are answered the way that we would want for them to be. But we also live with times where we don't see the answers we long for. Today, we're going to hear from some Coasties that have lived that out with God. They have lived with uncertainty. They have lived with waiting. They have lived with answered prayer and they have lived with Him with unanswered prayer. And we're going to hear uh, how they have done that, what has been helpful for them. And as you listen to their stories, can I encourage you to just pay attention to what your heart notices? Because our expectation is, is that God captures our hearts with things that we need to hear that he's wanting to do in our lives for today. So as you listen, just notice what you notice. Pay attention to that and allow God to breathe his life into you as you listen to these stories. Big thanks to the people that were willing to share their stories with us. And I will pass you over to them. We're going to start with Rachel and Stanley. Take it away. So we, we lost uh, our second daughter, um, who we named Summer Joy, um, at 39 weeks um, of pregnancy. So everything up until that point had been totally normal, healthy, good. Um, there wasn't any expectation of, you know, something being amiss. Um, and so routine um, midwife appointment that Rach had, um, uh, suddenly uh, she discovered she couldn't find the heartbeat there. You know, a really uh, quite traumatic experience uh, for both of us, but especially for Rach. Yeah, and so I guess for me, I really experienced the um, extremes of, I guess, God being with me, but also a sense of, of almost um, a Garden of Gethsemane experience, I guess, where I didn't feel God and I didn't mm -hmm. feel... Um, maybe like he was there or answering my prayers um and so initially just that initial shock um some really amazing miraculous things happened that really showed us that god was in it with us um and and then after that kind of came a really dark period where it was really a matter of i don't feel you god i don't hear you but I have to choose to believe that you are still with me, um, even in that in that dark, dark kind of place. Um, and so, yeah, in in that lead up to Easter for me, I guess in some ways that Garden of Gethsemane is is where I identify. Um, and then obviously coming through that to the to back into a place of, of feeling and sensing God being with me again. Mm. Rach, what was helpful for you, like, in that season? Because it, was it a prolonged 
sort of period of time that you felt like that garden experience? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, it was quite a few months and subsequently I've learned that that is what trauma does. Uh, um, it kind of shuts down the parts of your brain that that connect with God or, or feel or sense God. Um, I, I had to have a lot of space and a lot of time by myself. Um, and, you know, for those that are going through this kind of period of feeling fear and anxiety and worry, it, for me, it was, I really needed a lot of time um, just by myself processing. Um, I needed people to not give me pat answers like, oh, God must be feeling so close for you right now mm. because he wasn't. Um, and yeah, but people sending me beautiful scriptures um, or just dropping me a line of encouragement, um, saying that they were praying for me, helped me. Um, I was saying to someone, you know, when you don't have faith, others' faith can carry you. Um, and so that was really helpful. I guess you never really quite know how you're going to react um, in, a, in a time like that until you have it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it kind of, I was, you know, like in reflecting on it, I was really grateful that, um, uh, or one for the church, like we experienced the, the reality of um, the body of Christ in a really incredible way um, in, the, in that, um, you know, people gathered around us. They did, like people, yep, sure, people said some dumb stuff, did some dumb stuff, but out of a heart for wanting to help. Um, and the vast majority um, of it was just, you know, really gratefully received. Um, and even when the words weren't quite exactly right, you know, like it didn't, it didn't really matter. Uh, and especially, you know, talking personally for me, it was, I just really appreciated that one, they were prepared to, um, to go there. They, they were hurting too, you know, and they wanted to, um, grieve along with us, um, at what, at what we had all lost. Just one thing with the Easter story, um, I was reflecting on that fact, and we all know it, just that Jesus has gone through extreme suffering yeah. and pain and trauma, and that, you know, we can kind of glibly say that, I think, oh, Jesus understands, or he's been through it, but, but a real recognition when you're walking through unanswered prayer, or when you're walking through pain or trauma, is that he actually has been there and mm -hmm. I felt like God's promise to me through that period was I have been in an answer I've been in a place of unanswered prayer you know in Gethsemane when he said can this cup be taken from me mm -hmm. the answer was no you know he he and himself had unanswered prayer um, and he's also been in the place of walking through pain um, and coming out the other side victorious and and so I guess ultimately what I came to was, I don't need to know the whys, um, although the whys would be nice. What I need to know is Jesus is with me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he knows and understands and walks through this pathway with me. You know, as long as Jesus is with me and I can mm -hmm. connect to him and access him in this place, I will be okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it has changed us forever. 
um, and there's great ways it's changed us actually um, and you know and obviously some some parts of us that maybe aren't aren't so great but it, it does change you um, yeah yeah actually just literally this last week um, doing an assignment <laughs> um, I, I'm doing this uh, review on one of Eugene Peterson's books um, and he was just making that exact point of suffering and that um, when when uh, when Jesus came he didn't come to magically do away with suffering you know um, it's that wasn't that wasn't and isn't the purpose um, uh, here and now uh, yes ultimately that will be the case um, but uh, as we walk through this this world, that wasn't the point of the gospel. The, the point of the gospel was that he is able to walk through this world with us yeah. um, as we go through uh, times of suffering. You know, so. Allow yourself to be real with God. Um, allow yourself to have that time of lament or grief or questioning, um, but don't get stuck there. Um, and so I think that a lot of us were probably brought up with the idea that we weren't allowed to be real with God or we weren't allowed to be angry. Um, and I think that's really damaging. I think God knows it anyway. He knows exactly what we're feeling and thinking. Um, and I think if we bottle it up, it will come out in really unhealthy ways, unhealthy behaviors or actions. Um, so I'm a really big proponent for being real with God um, and letting him guide you through that. And if you get stuck um, asking for help, from, from someone that can help you lead, lead you through that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that, um, that probably the, the biggest thing, which I've already really talked about, is for me, was just that revelation of the depth of God's love to be able to reach in to um, the, the dark and ugly bits. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, those really, those really painful bits. Um, you know, um, Ephesians 3, that you may know the, the depth and uh, breadth, effectively, um, of God's love. You know, that became real um, in such a profound way. Um, and I think that it's, it, you know, like it's just, it's just that reality that whether you have felt it or not, um, God's love is still able to reach. Um, and so if you haven't felt it yet, that's okay. But do allow him in um, to, those, to those dark bits, you know, what Rachel's really saying. Um, and I think, you know, like it's, yeah, um, it, it would be lovely to have the answers um, of the wise. Um, but really, I think at the end of the day, it's better to have the relationship um, with God than a nice clean answer. Um, yeah, it's more sustaining to life. The other thing um, I learned is when you're going through pain or anger is you, you want to isolate yourself from not only God, but from others. Um, and I've seen it happen over and over again mm. as a pastor, but also in myself. Um, that sometimes it's just too hard or you think it's too hard and um, and I had to make a purposeful decision to not isolate myself from friends, acquaintances um, because I was just determined that this wasn't going to take me out 
um, it wasn't going to take me out of the faith, but it also wasn't going to take me out of the body. Uh, we always said the start that we wanted there to be um, a harvest from mm -hmm. Summer's life, even though she never uh, breathed a breath on this earth or took a step. Um, and and that is the harvest for us is that, you know, we can hopefully help others. Um, and I think that's something that God gives us, any of us that have walked through tough stuff, is if, if we're willing to share what mm. we can come out with on the other side, that he can actually bring that blessing. And it is a blessing. Mm. Mm. And, and, and a old naming of her as Summer Joy. Yeah. Um, you know, really, uh, it was a really purposeful decision for us. Um, to do that so that every time that we we said her name um, there would be that sense of hope that there would be summers of joy um, again uh, and she, you know it was born in February yeah. Um, yeah so that was uh, that's kind of part of the journey as well yeah anyway stop talking <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really great thank you so much it's very cool yeah well, so we um, we had sort of decided that we wanted to start our family, and then after sort of I guess about yeah, trying I think maybe even before that, like after the first sort of six months, we had thought well, maybe we should just get tested because this isn't isn't happening yet, and just see if there's anything we can do help things out. And then um, we got some test results back, and they were uh, really bad. Um, so we were kind of told that we're never going to have kids without uh, medical intervention, without um, IVF and kind of the most invasive form of IVF, which they call ICSI, um, which was kind of uh, a weird sort of grieving in, its, in itself. Um, but uh, following that, we had kind of another year and a half or two years more of sort of more treatment and uh, testing and um needles and all that stuff um to we, yeah we were lucky we qualified for public funding um but the issue with public funding is there's a waiting list yeah so part of that waiting time was waiting for our turn to be able to start treatment but, yeah um, um and then we had our uh, finally sort of came up for our treatment uh, just a bit over two years after we'd sort of first started trying and um we got uh, one egg, which is not a great result. Um, they sort of hoped for 10, 10 plus, but that one egg became one embryo, which is kind of amazing in itself. And then the one embryo took and uh, is dusty. So they'd say that that maybe happens once a year with all the people they uh, they deal with at the clinic. So it's a little bit of a miracle. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where we are at the moment. That's cool. So there was a long period of waiting then, hey? Yeah, I mean, we, we were always super conscious about this whole scenario because I guess it's, it affects a lot of people in different ways and we don't want to minimise anyone else's journey mm -hmm. by saying that we feel like it's a long time because a bit over two years is not really a long time for other people who have journeyed on, on this journey. But, I mean, it's I, even two years is, tw you know, 24 <laughs> times of going not this time again and that sort of mini heartbreak every time um so it, it does feel like a, a long season when, you, when you're in it so what was um what was your journey with god like through that that whole period of time 
We had we had quite a few kind of big changes in that time as well. I think we moved house like four times, um, and 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 ended up actually moving our entire life out to the coast. Um, and we knew nobody out here at all. Um, all our friends and family were kind of on the shore, um, but we just felt like it was somewhere that we needed to be. Mm. Um, and I think he was definitely, especially looking back, you can see how much he was close and beside us the whole way through that journey and the decisions that we made, um, but also just how everything kind of turned out as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of have a, a, like a long story, but so I don't know how much of it is useful, but I, somewhere in the midst of all of this, I can't remember the exact timings. I was also like quite sick. I had these weird um, symptoms, kind of like vertigo or dizziness that started off periodic and then they started lasting all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And I've been to every doctor you know, in the, the country, every type of doctor would get tested and no one could find out what was wrong. Um, and so I've been, every time I tried to talk to God, I've been trying to pray about things, but ended up coming back to these two things, you know, like God, can you make me better? And God, I, I want to be a dad. Yeah. Um, and so I booked out these two hours at the 24 seven prayer room at the hub um and i was thinking i'm just gonna spend that whole time just focusing on things that aren't that just praying out you know over our country over people in our community and so i sit get into the prayer room close the door sit down at the i think it's called visio divinia and they have uh postcards up pictures that are sort of supposed to spark the um conversations with god it was the start of prayer and um, I look down, I'm reading the notes for about I don't know, five minutes and I sort of take a deep breath and I look up and I can own, I don't know how many postcards were, 20 or something, and I can only see one. It's like a, a kind of glowing and the rest of them are blurred out and it's just a picture of a dad holding a baby. And um, I kind of started crying, like proper crying, like a little girl. Uh, and it's the first time I've cried as an adult, like for 15 years probably. Um, and just cried for the whole two hours. And I heard God say, as much as you want that child, I want you to be my child. And I just sort of felt the father heart of God in a completely new way. Um, and I, yeah, so I feel like God was using the time and the waiting um, to, to draw me closer to him as well. Mm -hmm. um, so people always, I think it's just like a nice thing to say, but when people find out that you had a journey to get a kid, they always say, you know, aren't you glad you waited because God was making Dusty? I think that's like, that is a nice thing to say, but like, I feel like we're glad we waited because God was making us. Oh, like, it's so that, that yeah, that's yeah. so good. A much more helpful way of actually looking at that whole period of time, isn't it? It's just like the, what, what's being formed in us as we wait. We had a really amazing life group um, that were amazing prayer warriors and would, they would like text us through their prayers. And there was one, um, one kind of prayer, I think one of our friends had an image of God, pretty, like arms wrapped around us, like caressing us, kissing us on the head tenderly and just holding us during that time. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like the one image that, I just kept coming back to 
um, just that he was holding us and he was kind of imparting us with everything we needed for that journey. Um, mm. And that, yeah, he was, we were just enclosed in him and near to him. That's so cool. So obviously time has passed. Um, you've gone through the experience of, of conceiving, which was miraculous in itself, wasn't it? That's like a whole other story. Um, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> and um, and then of course, now you've got Dusty and he's nearly a year old, which is amazing. Um, what, what has, since then, you know, you, you kind of went through that period of time, there was this um, time of God forming quite significant things in you, eh, in terms of how you relate with him as his children, as being ones that are loved and held even in the midst of the, the um, emotional roller coaster of the disappointment every month and, you know, all of that. I think for me, in terms of, I think I felt not bad about being like worried or anxious or, you know, because we're told that like not to worry or be fearful because God's got it. But the reality of that is quite different. Um, but actually to know that those feelings are okay, but I take them to God. Um, and that when I do take them to him, he, he meets me there um, mm -hmm. and kind of walks alongside it with us. And I think knowing that, that looking back, that time of waiting was hard, but there was actually so much joy as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that if we kind of, now that we know that we can go to him and he can get us through that, that the next things that are hard that come up, we kind of have some strategies in our toolbox to to deal with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think like I'm kind of a like a a fix fix problems kind of person. I think most most men like to think they are. So like the hardest thing for me about the situation was it was kind of like I felt like it was my fault, but I couldn't just do something to fix it. Mm. Um, and I become not just with this, but with other stuff. I think so reliant on fixing things myself before taking them to God. Um, and so it was just a, like a reminder to bring things back to him as the, fir the first port of call, which sounds so basic. Um, somewhere in the midst of all that, I got healed from being sick, mm. um, not with any treatment or any doctors, just through prayer at Coast with some, some guys. Um, and those symptoms just haven't come back since then. Um, and and that also involved a lot of crying. I feel like, and now that I'm a dad, like I just like, I'm crying every day because so I feel like maybe it was just a, um, a reminder to, to come back to God as, you know, as the, the first port of call for everything. Um, and he's always been faithful. Um, and, but sometimes I just don't know his, his timing. I think that's the thing. Like you get married and you sort of have this plan of, this is how we, we are hoping or this is what we think our life's going to look like and this is the timings of it. But that's different to God's plan. And I think sometimes it's hard to let go and trust that actually he knows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The benefit of hindsight, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, ultimately the timing of Dusty has been perfect. Um, he is perfect. We couldn't imagine in any other baby. Um, mm. Amazing. So. Mm. 
And so were there anything, anything else that you would sort of want to add in terms of learnings about yourselves, about, uh, about God, about how you want to live going forward, any of that? Um, for us, like a big one was probably community. I think Kevin already mentioned the life group. Um, and Rachel probably won't mind us saying, but she had an alarm on her phone at eight o'clock every morning. She was praying for, for Caitlin. Um, just knowing that someone else is kind of covering you in prayer, I think was something to, for us to always remember every time, because we're praying together or on our own, but just to know that someone else is adding to those prayers, I think was, was helpful. Mm. Um, and I can't sort of stress enough how important our life group was over that time. Um, just, we needed to kind of borrow their faith every now and then and they were there for us um yeah and just to to sort of talk to them and say um this is what we're going through and to have them say you're not alone we're with you god's with you and pray through it with us um was kind of i think what kept us um sane through that time and i think that it was really crazy we started coming along to coast and i think within like a few months we maybe talked to maybe five or six couples that had been through or were currently going through fertility issues. Um, and I think sometimes when you're going through hard stuff, it's easy to not talk about it. Mm. It's easy to just kind of keep it to yourself. But if you kind of can find people that you can trust, um, it's really crazy how many people have, have got knowledge to help with that or experiences that are similar um and that then you can borrow their strength or their learnings from that to then kind of carry with you yeah yeah well and it's one of the ways god can be with us eh, is is through you know how we can be that for each other but that's one yeah. of his ways he does it through us we're the hands and the feet yeah mm. that's so cool well thank you so much for sharing your stories with us what stood out for you as you listened? What were the things that caught your attention? I know for me that a few of the things were the fact that both of these couples repeatedly chose to walk through their experiences with God. That they had this perseverance in them, this uh, resilience in their relationship with him that they just persevered and didn't give up on hanging on to him and being with him, inviting him into whatever it was that they were walking through. That was a choice that they made repeatedly to trust him, to surrender themselves and their hopes and their dreams to him. And, and one of the other important ways that God was with them was through his people. They were able to lend strength to these couples when they were going through hard things. And that's certainly something that we wanna be able to lend one another uh, over this time and with whatever comes to us. So as we come to communion today, as we reflect on doing life with God, what is his invitation to you today? It may be that you find yourself uh, feeling far from God, or you may not feel like you know him at all. And if we can help you with that, we would most certainly want to. And you could reach out to us by jumping on our website and just getting in touch and we'll give you a call to be able to chat further. But the invitation is for all of us, whether we feel far from God or whether we feel near to him. He invites us to encounter him, 
that he is with us. Remember Jesus' name, Emmanuel, means God with us. That is how we get to do life. And so today as we come to communion, we want to take time to reflect and to examine our hearts. If there's anything we need to bring to him to ask forgiveness for, any pain or things that we're carrying that are just too heavy for us that we want to lay down again at the foot of the cross. Though this is what this time is for and it is a time of celebration, a time to remember this resurrection life, this Zoe, this indestructible life that Jesus is offering each one of us is available to us today. All of that is wrapped up in the symbolic meal of communion. So I'm going to light a candle, nothing magical there, just purely a symbolic act to remind us that God is with us, that his presence is near. And we remember that last supper that Jesus had with his disciples when he encouraged them to actually share communion. He took regular things, everyday things that were part of their meal together and filled them with new meaning. He took bread and he broke it. And as he broke it, he said, this represents my body that is broken for you. This also brings healing. His body brings healing to us, body, mind and soul. Do we need that today? The wine that he took represented his blood. This blood that was going to be poured out for many. His blood that can wash away our sin. Who can wash away all of the stain of shame of all that has gone before. Do we need that today? The invitation is to come. We are welcome here and to participate as we take these things to welcome his presence in our lives, to choose again to do life with God, or possibly choose for the first time to discover what that might be like. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to finish, and I'll let you just carry on having communion together. We'll just remember a piece of scripture as we go through this. This is from 1 Corinthians 11 verses 23 to 24, and Paul's instructions to us as we do take communion today. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And here's the invitation. The table of bread and wine is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ made, became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more. You who have been here often and you who have not been here for a while. You who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed. Come.
It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Why don't we pray together? So Lord, we come once again to this table of communion and we remember your sacrifice for us and we are so grateful. Thank you for this life that you offer us, this rich, abundant, vibrant, dynamic life that we can have with you. Thank you for bringing us alive. And Lord, we pray now that you would come and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would meet with each one of us wherever we are, whether we feel near to you or far away. Lord, would you come and meet with us? Would you show us how we can do life with you in increasing measure in the days to come? So God, we invite you into this moment. We turn our heads and our hearts towards you and say thank you once again. And we celebrate that you have risen. You have risen indeed and you give us life, life to the full. In Jesus' wonderful name, Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.